0: Team, I think this week's message was one of the hardest ones I had to write because I I think if we're honest, we're here for the meeting after this one and we love our church and we want to know how to move forward, don't we? And so I was trying to push in on a message that uh, spoke to that and that was mercifully short so we could all get into the meeting that we all wanted to get into. So what I thought we'd do is um, walk through the entire history of the church and figure out what's the best church right and the good thing is is that I've spent a long time researching the entire history of the church and I have figured out what the best church is because I know that's the question that we're all asking okay I know it's pretty exciting um so, day one, church uh, is born, Acts 2, Pentecost Day, right? The Holy Spirit depends, descends on the believers. We have the first birthday of the church. That very same year, Stephen is martyred. That's Acts 7, okay? And for the first 15 years or so of the early church, they're kind of considered a subsect of the Jews, okay? We don't really have the term Christianity quite yet. There's a term, roughly, followers of the way. But for the most part, They're weird Jews, okay? Now, uh, that continues on. Acts 15, we get the council where together they figure out, you know what... Jews and Gentiles should all be in this Followers the Way sect and we should be Christians together, although we don't really have that term yet. Two years later, the temple is destroyed. And then from there on in, we get a systematic persecution of the church um, from Roman emperors, Aurelius, Decius and Diocletian especially. And so for around 150 years, the church is brutally persecuted. And honestly, this is the best church. This church here, a house church under brutal persecution, spreading like wildfire, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and people are being reconciled to God, is the best church in history. Okay? Now, in 301 AD, Armenia decides that they're going to become the first Christian nation. In 312 AD, Roman Emperor Constantine has a profound moment where he decides that he's going to be a Christian. And two years later, makes it the state religion of Rome. And honestly, this is the best church in history because we can now proclaim it on the mountaintops. Churches are springing up left, right and centre. The persecution have died down and the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed and people are being reconciled to God. And the church spreads like wildfire throughout the known world. Flash forward. The year is 1517 and Martin Luther gets really ticked off at the Catholic Church and nails up 95 complaints. 1521, the Diet of Worms takes place and he's excommunicated from the Catholic Church. 1525, Tyndale translates the Bible into English. Calvin writes some institutes and uh, uh, Luther, I believe, starts to translate the the Bible into German. Suddenly, uh, Scripture is available for everybody and this, honestly, is the best church in history. Large church worship services takes place. The birth of the Protestant church takes place. Uh, and, and Christianity is spreading like wildfire as the gospel of Jesus Christ is proclaimed and people are being reconciled to Christ. Flash forward again. 1738, John and Charles Wesley are converted and now we have the best church in history giant churches are being built at the center of towns christianity sits at the very center of culture and communities rally at the churches for their meetings and the gospel of jesus christ is being proclaimed as people are being reconciled to him and this is the best church in history flash forward again and here we are today And I, quite frankly, am convinced that we have the best church in history. And it looks nothing like the previous generations because the church is about reconciling God and his people by preaching the gospel and persuasively convicting the hearts of believers So that they might be reconciled to him again. And you could go and find volumes written on the best style of church. And we could go and find the apostolic church by Mike Frost and Alan Hirsch. And we'd be like, that's the best church, right? If we're not reconciling Christ to community... It doesn't matter what that book says about the pragmatics of what a church should look like. Should we have flowers in the corner? Should we have a worship service where we have a band? Should there be an organ? Should there be a pipe organ? Should there be something else? Should we have a drum kit? Shouldn't we have a drum kit? Should we have bongos, djembe's? (laughs) What does it look like? What does it sound like? What are the pragmatics of what a church should be? Are completely irrelevant if we are not reconciling this community to Christ. That's the best church. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again verse 14 i think we're all sitting here right asking the questions what's leon going to come up and address what's going on what are the elders thinking we are in the business of reconciliation. That is the business that we are in. And it does not matter what takes place in the meeting after this if we cannot be in the business of reconciliation. Because a good church, the best church in history, is the one that is in the business of reconciliation. And reconciliation is difficult because it's messy. People don't like reconciliation. It's very, very, very messy. Because here's the truth of reconciliation. We cannot go back in time. As you read the narrative of Scripture, where does it start? This is, this is not a rhetorical question. some interaction. Listen, we're all looking forward to the meeting after this, but we've got to work through this, okay? Where does the story start? in a garden where does the story end no it doesn't in a city in a city doesn't it in the city of zion that's right it starts in a garden it finishes in a city because as god the great reconciler you cannot go back to the way things were we're not going back to the garden of eden we're going to zion city right God has already laid out a plan for reconciliation. He understands for that to take place, we cannot go back in time. We have to go forward to a preferred tomorrow. And it looks a little bit different and it sounds a little bit different, but God has issued that narrative to remind us that reconciliation takes time and it can be challenging and it can be difficult. And if I've learned anything from today... As we look at media and culture, people don't like to reconcile. They like to do honour and shame. Imagine for a second that there are two islands. There is honour island and everybody wants to be on honour island. The hard thing about being on honour island is it's really difficult to stay there and everyone gets very timid and cautious because if you make a mistake on honor island there is a one way plane trip to shame island and everybody on honor island knows about shame island because they've seen people forced onto the plane and flown to shame island and so they start to get timid and they start to get scared and they start to get into a place where they don't want to rock the boat just in case everybody gets together and votes them onto the plane to shame island And the worst thing about Shame Island is once you're on Shame Island, there's no way back to honour island. And so you find yourself in a situation on Shame Island where you might be repentant and you might be contrite, but there's no possible way to find your way back to a place of honour. But Christ says there is no shame and condemnation in him. So therefore, as a community of believers, there cannot be a shame island. Because there is no condemnation and shame in Christ Jesus. So what we have is Reconciliation Island. And let me be honest, you ain't got no alibi, it's ugly. Because on Reconciliation Island, we have to deal with the fact That we can be messy and broken. And we can make mistakes on Reconciliation Island. And we can come together and say those mistakes have caused pain and caused hurt. But there is no one-way ticket to Shame Island on Reconciliation Island. Because what we will do instead is figure out a way that we can navigate this together. And we may not be able to go back in time, but we can go forward to a preferred tomorrow. And that takes time. And that means that we have to work through hurt. And that means we have to work through pain. And maybe we have to put boundaries in place to ensure that it doesn't happen again. But together, as a community that seeks to reconcile culture to Christ, we model reconciliation. Isn't that what we do? The best church... In the history of churches is a church that can model the same reconciliation that was shown to us and realize that we as a church work as broken people with our own funk and our own junk, but together we exist on one island and there's no one-way ticket out, but together we work through it. I was going to keep this mercifully short, so I will. Um, Carly said, what's the conclusion to this message? And I said, I don't have one. Seriously. And I don't have one because if we are sitting here together and we're all about to walk into a big meeting that we don't know what it looks like and we don't know what we're about to discuss, but we love this place, then the way forward is to say, we want to be a church that reconciles our community here to Christ because that's the best church and we do that by persuasively presenting the good news of Jesus and modeling it with our community we are not about honor and shame we are about reconciliation and so what is the conclusion this message looks like it looks like a community that wants to write it together And that's what I want to encourage us to do today is because the ministry of reconciliation that Christ showed to us was messy, it was broken, we made mistakes, but he became the sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. And that's my encouragement today. Do I wholeheartedly think I'm standing in the best church in history? If we are reconciling, if we are reconciling Christ to our community, then I believe we are. I believe we are. And I look around this place and I know that I see a lot of nervous and, you know, confused faces, like, please land the plane, Duncan. <laughs> we've got a meeting to get to. to, to we do have to wait to 12. <laughs> and have a lot of coffee. <laughs> I thought that the meeting... Take place immediately after this. (laughs) We have to be in the process of reconciliation, team, And that's hard and that's messy. And that, that means we have to deal with hurt feelings. And it means that we have to deal with the own sin and junk and funk in our lives. And that can be hard and that can be hurtful and that can be difficult. But if we are going to model the gospel of Jesus Christ to this communion, then we need to say no to honor and shame. Not interested in doing it. We live on an island together filled with reconciled people reconciling each other. And that's the way I want to live. And it will stand in, in, in stark contrast to what everybody else is saying in our society. Because suddenly we can start to show the love of Christ. grace of Christ, the compassion of Christ. And that speaks volumes to a community who just wants two islands, honor island and shame island. And I don't want a piece of that. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we lift up uh, Leon, we lift up our elders, we lift up Paul, we lift up Renee, and we lift up this community and say, Lord, that we might be humbled before you that we seek to glorify and honor you in everything that we do. Um, Lord, (laughs) we thank you for weird, crazy, challenging days like today as an opportunity for us to grow in love and in uh, affection. Lord, that you might be at the center of all of this, that you might lead us, that you might guide us. Lord, that we might see you in all of this. Lord, give us the strength to be reconcilers, communicating persuasively the good news about you to this community and that we might stand as a testimony that there is a better, albeit messier way through reconciliation that we can see you glorified. Lord, we thank you for humble, willing hearts Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to be challenged lord that it might strengthen our faith and we thank you for your words that they might encourage our hearts amen